Hi friends, welcome to the Kansas City MomCast, a place to learn, connect, and grow in a relevant and intentional way. We're your hosts, Sarah and Megan. Join us as we interview experts in the field and hear from local moms just like you. This is a podcast for Kansas City moms by Kansas City moms. We know that your time is precious and we're grateful you've chosen to spend some of it with us. Thank you for being a part of the Kansas City Mom Collective community. Hi, friends, and welcome back. Today, we're talking about the modern family, specifically families that are created with the help of sperm donors. According to an article in The Atlantic, an estimated 30,000 to 60,000 children conceived with donor sperm are born in the U.S. every year, though that statistic may well be an underestimate. The fertility industry doesn't have to keep records, so the true number is unknown. Allie Liggett, Leewood mom and one of our own Kansas City Mom Collective contributors is here to share her story and experience of conceiving her and her wife's darling little girl, Amelia. We're so appreciative of her sharing her journey with us and hope you enjoy learning as much as we did. Let's get started. Hi, Allie. Welcome. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We are just great. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. Um, Can we start off by telling us, can you tell us a little bit about just about you and Abby? Like, how did you meet and when did you get married? Yeah. Take us back to the beginning. (laughs) Let's do it. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, Abby and I met almost um, eight years ago in a couple weeks. Yeah, it'll be about eight years. So we met in 2015 um, and we just kind of, I think we knew like pretty early on that we wanted to, um, you know, that we're in it for the long haul. Um, So we talked a lot, like when we first started dating about if we wanted to have kids, um, you know, what all that kind of looked like just to not, you know, waste anyone's time. And we both... um, you know, determined we wanted to have kids. Um, we got married in 2017 and then we started, um, the process of trying to have a baby in, I'm going to say March of 2019. Okay. Okay. So Allie, that conversation is just more nuanced between you and Abby. Um, can you talk about what that was like and like how you decided who would carry the baby and what that would look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my wife is, um, about eight years older than me. Okay. She always wanted to be pregnant. Um, I have never wanted to be pregnant. <laughs> Allie, that's, uh, a, that's a match made in heaven right there. Right? It doesn't really get much better than that because um, I, I always wanted kids. Yes. Um, but my father was adopted and I kind of just always had adoption on my heart. Um, so I just kind of figured I'd do that. I, when I was 16, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm-hmm. And they was kind of told like, it's not impossible whatsoever for you to have babies, but you know, it might be difficult. Um, so I was like, Oh, well, duh, I would just, you know, adopt a baby then. I know it's not that simple. Um, but that was kind of just like my mindset. It was never important for me to be pregnant or 
genetic related to a child, anything like that. So it was kind of, I mean, it was kind of a no brainer. I think, you know, that was specific to our circumstances. Um, I don't know how other people decide it. If both people want to be pregnant, if no people want to be pregnant, um, but for us, it kind of worked out. Yeah. So, okay. So once you guys decide, okay, when you, you know, you want to have a baby, Abby's going to carry the baby. So then what did, what did you guys do? Like, can you take us through the steps of what that like logistically looked like? Yeah. So the first thing we did, even before we were ready to actually start the process is we got in with a fertility doctor um it's it can take almost a year to get yeah. in mm-hmm. um so we got in right away we started doing um like soon after we got married abby did you know all the tests just you know check her egg health check um her phys- just her physical health in general make sure like she was healthy enough to even carry um and to get pregnant so we did all that um and then Basically, our fertility clinic was like, whenever you're ready, you know, here's what you have to do. You need to find some sperm um, and then you call us and, you know, we we start the process. So we the our fertility clinic gave us a lot of resources for reputable sperm banks that they work with um, all across the country. And from there, we just kind of did some research. So how do you choose a sperm donor? Like say you choose the sperm bank first, I assume. And then what do you know about the source of the sperm? Yes. Honestly, honestly, that's like the most fascinating part to me. I would venture to say that we know more about our sperm donor than some people know about their husbands or partners. (laughs) Probably true. Um, So a lot of people think, you know, oh, I'll just go be a sperm donor. Anyone can do it. You make some money. It it is not uh, like a very small percentage of people that go to donate sperm actually get selected. So for us, we were given, you know, a handful of uh, sperm donor banks in the in the country. we kind of looked at, we looked at like three or four just ones that our fertility clinic uses a lot there i mean they're experts um so we looked at a few and then the things that were most important to us were like a really strong health history um so i mentioned before my dad was adopted so when i do my family tree like as far as like medical issues i don't know anything past him yeah um so we <laughs> literally know so much about, you know, that side of her, probably more than my wife knows about her own, you know, Mm -hmm. medical history. We looked at a few, um, and the one we ended up selecting had like maybe a family history of skin cancer, which who doesn't, I mean, Uh that's, that's kind of environmental. Mm -hmm. So, um, we also wanted, it was kind of important for us to select a sperm donor that kind of looked like my side of the family tree. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have a brother um, and my brother is, you know, pretty tall, has red hair. And we, we thought, you know, that would be kind of cool if we chose a redheaded donor, you know, Mm -hmm. medium to moderately height. Um, So we sorted, um, it's like online dating. There's all these filters 
Mm-hmm. And first we did um, hair color and we, we didn't just limit it to red hair, but that was kind of like, if you did have red hair and met all the other qualifications, that'd be fun. Yeah. And we, we did hair color. You could do eye color. You could do um, nationality. Um, you could sort all these different ways. So we did hair color. We, like I said, we wanted something that kind of matched with my, um, what my side looked like, but, um, we ended up finding a redheaded donor who had like a really clean family history as far as like medical, um, issues. And then from there we found a few, um, and then you could compare handwriting samples. You knew you had a, you could pay, you know, to, uh, extra and you could get a voice sample. You could find out, um, like why they chose to be a sperm donor and his reason was really compelling. He just, you know, wanted to help um, people become parents. And he also had a slight interest in like helping the redheaded population. Um, so we thought save, that was kind of- Save, save kind the redheads. Of save the redheads. He's passionate. Um, <laughs> so we kind of thought that was quirky and funny. And uh-huh. he- um, it just was his his story was just compelling to us and um we kind of felt a little connection um we also paid extra um we saw we could see pictures of him as a as a kid um and as a baby and we thought that was really fun um so, so do you so, know his name so or questions. like where he's from or so is that off know, the table yeah so we don't know anything about him he has we kind of call it like his shelter name like you know when dogs go to a shelter they're uh-huh. like the shelter names them uh-huh. so he has a he has a name there um that's what we refer to him as but it's not his name okay. and then he also he when he donated checked a box that said he would be open he's not required to he's not held to this but mm-hmm. he would potentially be open when the child is 18 that they could reach out to him Interesting. And you so have like open, that. It's almost like open, closed adoption yeah. type setup. Right. It's not so an, he, obviously, it's not adoption, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So he would be open to it. And, you know, that that was like one of the filters. Um, and we thought as long as that door like could be open, mm-hmm. we might as well like that was, you know, who knows what she'll want to do. Like I, it'll be her choice when she's 18. But if we could have that door open, we just thought that would be, you know, a nice way for her to be ha- to have all the options when she turned 18. So, like I said, he's not like held to it, but you know, if she decides when she's 18 she'd like to reach out, he would be open to communicating. That's cool. So, yeah. Allie, do you like going back to kind of the logistics of conceiving? Do you get a certain quantity of sperm or number of tries like what Mm -hmm. did that look like Mm -hmm. so when you buy sperm this is like a really fun topic to talk about it's so fascinating um so you buy sperm by the vial that's like like a a bunch of grapes or like a (laughs) bag of potatoes you buy it by the vial (laughs) so we kind of consulted with our fertility doctor you know they're experts they do this every day and he said, you know, based on um, my wife Abby's age um, and, you know, relative health, he suggested anywhere from like 
three to five vials to get started. Now, this is where it gets a little bit tricky for us is we we had planned on having two kids. That's mm-hmm. what we wanted. We did not know how long, how many vials it would take to get pregnant. And he can stop, he can just stop donating. Like mm-hmm. he, if there, if he runs out, he runs out. So it was, it was important to us to use the same sperm donor for multiple kids. Mm-hmm. So That's that was when, too. yeah. So that was when we kind of, so we, I think initially bought five vials and we weren't sure, you know, if we'd use them all, we could also, if you keep them at the sperm bank, if you store them there, you can sell them back. Um, you can return them. Yes. Minus like a, a restocking fee. Um, I don't know if that's correct. Term. <laughs> um, but at this time, you know, we weren't pregnant. We didn't have a baby. We didn't know if the sperm would work. Um, so we bought five. We were like, somehow that seems like the right number. And how much does that cost, Allie? Like thousands, tens of thousands? I know. Give us a ballpark. Like if you want to buy I, a vial. I think it's like 500 to $1,000. For a one vial? For one vial. But you're also probably paying. You have to pay to ship it. You have right. to pay to store it somewhere. Um, right. You know, it's mm-hmm. obviously not like in our garage fridge. You can't just put um, it in your freezer and call it no. good. <laughs> no. Gosh, that would save us a lot of money. But yeah. you can store it at the sperm bank and then you can ship each time, you know, you need a vial. You would have it shipped to your clinic. Sure. Um, or you can store it at your fertility clinic, which is ultimately what we decided to do. That way it was there. Um and we had it when we needed it. Okay. And you pay shipping so, one time. Okay. So then you have, so you have your sperm vials. Then yes. how do you guys, how did you decide whether to do, well, it's IVF. So right? we did not it could be do, IUI. yeah, we did not do IVF uh, initially. Um, our fertility clinic, we trust him. We trust our doctor. He's yeah one of the best in the country. Um, he, you know, evaluated Abby, didn't, there's no reason to do IVF. Um, so we did an IUI, a medicated IUI. Okay. What that ultimately results to is she's on some medication to, um, trigger ovulation. Um, what I love, what's so interesting is they control so many things with medication, because they just know so much about this. It's, it's, it's like just science, like oh, the way yeah. that they do this. It's incredible. Amazing. So it's a medicated IUI. You can do an unmedicated IUI where, you know, it's just like two people conceiving a child. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we wanted to do as much as we could to control the outcome. So we did a medicated mm-hmm. IUI. Um, what that looks like is a shot to trigger ovulation and then they do the insemination. The uh, IUI is intrauterine insemination, mm-hmm. um, I believe. I'm not an expert, um, but yeah. Yeah. Interuterine insemination. So they um, insert the, the, vi- uh, the sperm into the uterus. Um, it takes about five minutes. Um, you wait. 20, 30 minutes afterwards. 
and then you go about your regular business and you wait two weeks and then you take a pregnancy test um at that after the iui you take more medication i believe progesterone um just to help the baby stick mm -hmm. um to you know hopefully get a baby out of this um and then two weeks you take a pregnancy test you continue on the progesterone um and then you're with your fertility clinic i believe until like nine or 12 weeks they they like discharge you to your regular OBGYN. um and then they kind of they they take your blood and make sure that your um pregnancy hormones are on track um i believe we did an ultrasound at six weeks um so did and... it take for your for amelia did it take the first time it took the second time second time so Was that one vial per try correct okay got so it with okay. i with iui it's one vial per iui okay okay um so the first one didn't take um and then the second one she got pregnant we had a positive uh, pregnancy test at two weeks and then did all the blood work did the ultrasound got discharged to our obg OBGYN, and then it was kind of just like a regular pregnancy. Yeah. Um, so that means you have three vials, or did at that time three vials still storable? Yeah. Yeah. So then you just pay an annual storage fee with your fertility clinic, um, and we we still have some there. But for an IUI, it's just one vial, and that. Um, kind of does it. So, yeah. I mean, honestly, we're at a fertility clinic where, you know, but we didn't have any fertility issues at that time. Right. It, it was just the lack of sperm. Interesting. So if somebody was interested in starting this process, would they start with a fertility clinic? Is that where you would go first or, would, you know? Yeah. I'm so, jumping ahead too. It's one of my last questions for you, but it's in my brain right now. So for a same-sex couple, um, I think you it's just automatically like a fertility issue um right. yeah so i think for you know uh like a a straight couple you have to have like so many months of like trying before you're it's really indicated to go to a fertility clinic sure um but for us it, it, yeah we just called and got in to okay and got on the list so and now that, that was our it, first step does your medical insurance cover mm, any question. of it yeah, so I mean, the sperm is out of pocket, um, but yeah, our our insurance covered portions of, um, you know, we we still had like out of pocket expenses, but um, yeah, it, it covered it as far as you know, we had to pay our deductible and right co insurance and all of that, but yeah, it was covered. That's great. Sometimes fertility is like excluded specifically, um, but I think now and now a you know, a lot of organizations are, are choosing to cover it. Yeah, that's good. Okay. So a little moving on. Um, so you had Amelia and obviously well, let's call him Bob. Um, so Bob <laughs> donated his sperm and other people could also purchase that sperm. It wasn't like exclusive to your family. Correct. C correct. Um, so can you talk about, tell us what dibblings are and kind of talk about love that, term. that? Yeah. So when Amelia was, I think like six or eight months old, um, around that time, 
uh, well, back up a little bit. There, there's a Facebook group through our sperm bank um, where people would post their donor number and donor name and say, hey, oh. does anyone, did, did anyone else use a sperm? Does anyone have any kids by the sperm? So we joined the group um, initially to lurk. Um, we didn't have any intention of, you know, finding anyone. We didn't post anything. Um, and then I think actually Amelia was like three months old when we saw the first, hey, did anyone use this donor number, this donor name? And my wife was really hesitant to connect. Mm -hmm. um, and so we we just reached out and we we're like, hey, we're not, you know, we don't really see this going anywhere, but we just wanted to say we, you know, we just private messaged them and said, we also have a, a baby by this donor. And that was kind of the end of it. Yeah. And then somebody else posted. And then there was kind of like, I guess, a subgroup of us that use the same donor. Um, and they w just kind of made our own group. Um, and then we were still kind of like, well, you know, at least we'll just know where these people are. We don't have to participate. Mm -hmm. We don't have to share anything. We'll just, you know, keep tabs on them. Um, so how many, then, at that point, how many kids did the subgroup involve? Initially, I think it was maybe five families, five kids. Okay. And then it just kind of, then we found more and we found more. Um, so and now there are, gosh, that just would have been a good thing to look up. But one, two, three, four, five, six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fifteen okay sixteen sixteen kids how many Allie, how um, many people are in this group like how many people are in the in the facebook group so it's it, now we just have uh, the facebook group was kind of abandoned now we just have a group chat so okay. Um, I'm just thinking, like, what's the likelihood of your donor number like popping up on this page? I I feel like I like hit the lottery or something. I'd be like, oh, it's one zero two, you know, <laughs> yeah connection. So we now we kind of have like in our group we have like someone that monitors the original like sperm bank group, mm -hmm. and so they kind of will keep an eye out and they kind of are our ambassador and they'll reach out to the person so then that person doesn't have like twenty people like hey 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 yeah. Um, so we've got, there's two families in Washington, a family in Colorado, a family, two families in Texas, two families in Maryland, um, a family in Massachusetts, a family in New Jersey, and a family in New York. And so have Everywhere. you met these people? Yes. So we ended up meeting a family, uh, a single mother by choice with twin daughters in Colorado. Um, we met her, gosh, when it, that would have been in 2021. Um, so we had never, you know, we didn't know this person, um, but we were driving through and we decided to meet up. She had us over to her home. 
Um, we texted our parents and said, this is the address where we're going in case you'd ever hear from us again. Um, cause I mean, ultimately it's a stranger. I mean, yes, yeah, right? that's true. So, um, Have we got chatted to with her a lot on your thread. Oh yeah. We, yeah, yeah we chat almost daily. So it seemed, um, seemed safe or normal. Yeah. It definitely <laughs> seemed safe, but yes, we're like, this, this could, I mean, this you could never be know. a You never know. Um, it could be dateline, could be lifetime. So yeah, it, we met her, she had us to her home. We met her twin daughters. Um, I mean, Millie was not even two. So for her, it was just like, why, like, who are these people? I don't mm-hmm. really care. Um, but it was really, really cool. And I'm actually this summer going on a trip. It's just me, but I'll meet another, um, actually single mother by choice with her twin daughters. Oh so we, um, have chatted about like trying to do like a quote unquote family reunion, um, getting us all in the same place at the same time, which is exceedingly difficult, yeah. um, given the amount of people and children involved, but that's kind of our, our dream is to try to get everybody together eventually. That's and so Allie, as Amelia gets older, how do you anticipate referring to these other kids? That was like my question too. Siblings or what is your plan for how you'll explain it to her as she has obviously more questions? Sure. Yeah. So we kind of decided, you know, to say like, these are your donor siblings. Mommy and mama needed help. Yeah. Um, somebody helped us. He helped other people. Um, and so that's, they're, they're your donor siblings. I mean, they're not, they're not her brothers and sisters. Um, right. But they're, yeah, they're her, don- they're her donor siblings. And so, you know, she's three and a half almost. We haven't really had to talk about it very much. Um, we have like, we have book, like a little family book of everyone's pictures. And we tell her, we show her the pictures. And um, we do matching family, um, like holiday pajamas. <laughs> um, and so, we'll, you know, we'll show her pictures and tell her, you know, the, the same person that helped us make you helped make other families and Mm -hmm. um you're connected and that sort of thing so uh, we you know plan to do more there's not a lot of research out there about this so we just kind of plan to answer her questions as they come up and um just make sure she knows you know that these people exist and hopefully that gives her a sense of connection to the to the world but um, we don't really know. So really? definitely open if, if people have better yeah. suggestions. Um, sure. I honestly like think, you know, once it's appropriate that, you know, she'll be in therapy to kind of process um, mm-hmm. just, just knowing that there's, you know, other, other people out there. And um, I mean, therapy is great where everyone should be in therapy, but I think um, there are people like more qualified to help her through that than just the, you know, two people that brought her into this world. So yeah, we'll so when see you, how it evolves. When sure. you see the other kids, is there, I mean, do they look similar? Do you see similarities? There, there are like different groups of kids. Like some of them, there's like ones that look like Millie and then there's ones that look like other children. And Mm -hmm. it's just so strange because none of the mothers look the same. Like there's just nobody looks the same. So it's just funny. The ones that really look like Amelia, the moms, I mean, it just, there's, it's just so crazy how the genetics play a role in it. Because when I look at my daughter and I look at my wife's childhood photos Mm -hmm. uh, they're the same 
And so <laughs> when I look at Amelia's pictures and then some of her donor sibling pictures, I'm like, how? <laughs> no, no. Genetics this, are yeah. so interesting. Genetics are so weird. So they're definitely, there's like different like sects of the the dibblings that some just look more like others. Um, yeah, we have I mean, just my own certain, family. We have four and I have a boy and a girl variety. that look the same and a different boy and girl look the same. Yeah. And they obviously, you know, they came from the same set of genetics, but. Yeah. And I always felt I'm like I deep. looked more like my dad growing up and like my brother had more characteristics of my mom. So yeah, it just. It's, they're definitely related, you know, like when you see a group picture of them, you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> these, are, these are related kids. Yeah, that's really cool. So, Allie, what has been to you like one of the most like special or surprising things about this process, bringing Amelia into your family? I think like opening up people like just having having people learn about like what it takes to for us to make a family because i think a lot of people have and this isn't limited just to you know same sex couples but like we had to really want it you know like this yeah. wasn't it wasn't compulsory it was like very mm -hmm. planned and a lot of money involved yeah. and um you know so i think sharing like what it took to to be a family and um telling other people a lot of people have questions and are scared to ask or think they'll offend us and obviously I'm very open about it and I think if it helps you know another family even not a same-sex family but you know if it helps somebody you know become parents or you know make that dream happen that's that's been fun for me to just help other people learn about our story and and what it took for us to become parents we had um, Allie and Allie and Abby um, hosted our team. This was like a few years. When was that, Allie? Like was it during COVID? Yeah, so. it was like Ish. year two of COVID in the okay. summer. Yep, yep. And we were out on the back, um, your back patio. And I think that's where, wasn't that where you shared this whole story? And I was mm -hmm. like... Mm -hmm beyond captivated just because <laughs> it's something I don't know anything about, you know, other than just the basics. Right. So, um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's great. And I think that, um, I don't know, just another area of the world that some of us don't know a lot about. That's just fascinating. So, yeah. And I kind of like want to kind of break the, like, not, there's no stigma, but break the, like, you know, you can, you can ask like, yeah, sure. It's not offensive to me, you know? And it's okay if it's offensive to other people or they don't want to answer, but I, I like to share our story about, I share stories about, you know, anything, because like I said, if it helps people, you know, understand our family a little bit better, or if it helps them become parents, you know, that's worth it to me. Absolutely. Um, Allie, first of all, thank you so much again for your time. If we have um, a listener that would like to reach out to you, are you, would you be open to that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not an expert, but I feel like we've <laughs> learned a lot. And if I sure. help people find an expert, you know, I'd definitely be open to that. Yeah. It was just even just moral support and common, you know, right. common yeah. experiences. There's a lot of value in that. Allie, thank you so much for sharing. It's just so interesting. I feel like I've used the word interesting 85 times <laughs> because I really think it's just so interesting. And Amelia is the most darling child ever. 
Um, I'm just thrilled for you and Abby. So thank you so much again. And um, we will have you back another time. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks, Allie. Okay, Sarah, for what we are loving in Kansas City right now, it is June. It is warm. And I also love your favorite thing. Would you share what that is? Going back to my annual favorite, um, Jarvie's Shave Ice. And we go to the Lenexa location. And it is better than any shaved ice you will get. <laughs> not you, think in- you've, you think you found the best? You nope, haven't. You not naming names, haven't. but it's better than that one kind that's everywhere. Uh-huh. Um, but they make their syrups homemade. Um, the owner used to be a member of our KCMC team. And that's not why I love it because it's just so much better, but that's just a bonus. Yes, it is. Um, But my favorite is the orange creamsicle, which comes with snow cream. And you can follow them on Facebook for their hours, but they're in Lenexa and Lansing. And it's a like mobile kind of stand that's in a like shopping center parking lot. Magic happens in there because I don't know what they're doing with that shaved ice, but it is legit. It's good and plentiful. Plentiful. Okay. um, In honor slash, I don't know, recognition of Pride Month. Um, I have a couple books, kids books that I would love to share. That's, I feel like I've said that 50 times on this podcast, but one of my favorite ways to talk with my kids and introduce things um, maybe that they're not as familiar with is through books. So two books I wanted to share. One is Love Makes a Family. It's a very simple book. So great for younger kids. Um, And it's basically just showing all the different things that families do together but it's different looking families. So um, whether it's one parent, two parents, two dads, two moms, um, it's just basically about how they all share love and they all do the same things. So very simple. Um, And then a super cute one um, is called Antango Makes Three. And it's, um, it's at the penguin house at the Central Park Zoo. And there's two penguins um, and they want to have a baby penguin, but they need help from a zookeeper. And then they got, um, then they have opportunity to welcome their little, their little, what's a baby penguin called a little chick, chick into the world. So it's obviously, you know, an analogy of the real world. So it's just a cute, another cute way. Those are both, I definitely would recommend those both for younger, younger kids, but they're good ones. So All right, friends, that's it for today. We hope you enjoyed it and we hope you will join us again next time on Kansas City MomCast. Thanks so much. Thank you again for spending part of your day with us. We would love for you to share this podcast with other Kansas City moms, as well as rate and review as this helps others find us. We would also love to hear from you, whether it's to share what you loved about today's episode, an idea for a future topic, or just to tell us how you're doing. We are here for you. You can email us anytime at kcncpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time on another episode of Kansas City Momcast.